fuerza te la regla todavía creciendo Tengo que que la rumba de los santos no aguanta con el frío Matratar de los chicos que son malos Tell me This is Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to the Underground Experience with me, your host, Captain and DJ, Uncle Earl, here at KCLA FM and KLED Live. Uncle Earl is taking you on yet another journey into another realm of reality. We're going into the literary corner today. I hope you grab your little nice little beverage there, something, something hot, something cool, something easy that will slide down and take you to the level that you need to be at. I have a very distinguished gentleman in the studio with me today, Dr. Marshall Hennington, and he's recognized as a national leader in the field of trial and jury consulting. He is known for his ability to craft litigation strategies to help his clients win trials. He received his Ph.D. and an M.A. degree from the California School of Professional Psychology and Clinical Psychology and also has an educational master's degree in counseling psychology from Columbia University in New York City. He received a B.S. degree in social science from UC Berkeley. He has represented clients in various courts throughout the country and is a member of the American Psychology Association's Law and Psychology Division. This man has a list of credits. He's assisted with numerous high-profile trials, uh, including the Philip Morris tobacco trial, the Thomas Tulin murder trial in Nantucket, and the Ron Rudin murder trial in Las Vegas, to name a few. And today, we are here to discuss his new book, entitled Words of Wisdom for My Daughter, Life Lessons by Dr. Marshall Hennington, and I have him in studio with me right now. How you doing, Dr. Marshall? I'm doing wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. I appreciate you, and I'm so honored that you are here because this is something that's great and needs to be heard, and you are the man. <laughs> <laughs> for the hour. For the hour. <laughs> yes, yes, and the hour goes on and on. Now, let's, let's just break it down. Where do you hail from? First two places, all. actually. I, I call two places home. Uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, by the way, of New York. My family is from Los Angeles, um, but half of my family is from New York, meaning that my mother, uh, when she and my father were together, were out here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. This is where I was born, but I was also raised out in New York. Okay. So I spent quite a bit of time on the East Coast, and uh, of course... Later on in life, I end up uh, going there for graduate school, and um, I still have um, a practice out there. Mm -hmm. So I love New York. I gotta go there next week, matter of fact. Yeah, which do you prefer? New York. New York. Tell you the truth. Yeah. My hometown. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how was your so growing up between the two coasts? How was that for you? Did you welcome it, or was it was it something that was you seemed like a handicap or was it something positive you know for me it wasn't very positive um you know i, I like the fact that <clears throat> you know 
the East Coast has a different feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's more gritty. It's mm -hmm. more down to earth. The mm -hmm. people uh, just straight up tell you exactly how they feel exactly. about certain things. It's, it's a lot more brash. Right. And, uh, you know, Los Angeles is the exact opposite. You know, you never really truly know where a person's coming from. Mm -hmm. They disguise their feelings, their emotions. It's about Hollywood, you know. Mm -hmm. And for me, right. it, you know, it was, it was a great experience in both places. I mean, I still love Los Angeles, but at the same time, uh, you know, my heart is in New York. Mm. My heart is there, too. Now, when you when you were younger, did you ever think that you'd be in this field of law and psychology that you're in, or did it sort of happen? You know, I came from such a dysfunctional background that anything, to me, was great. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my mother always told me to shoot for the stars. She always gave me the encouragement to be, you know, um, whatever I chose to be in life and just to follow my dreams mm -hmm. and, and, and my passion. Uh, I knew from a very early age that... I wanted to be a psychologist because mm. my background, like I said, was so dysfunctional. I mean, mm -hmm. I came from a family that uh, my mother uh, is Caucasian, female. Mm -hmm. She's uh, she's white uh, with blue eyes, blonde hair. Mm -hmm. Didn't look anything like me. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I look different. So, yeah. um, and you know, my father's black, and uh, he was black, and you know, he, he had some real serious issues going mm -hmm. on with his life. I mean, you know, everything from battling heroin to being a mama's boy to you know doing all kinds of crazy stuff like stealing from me and mm. you know, lying to me and telling me he's gonna pick me up from school when uh, he never showed up wow. and, you know and all kinds of drama so you know I used to say to myself now why, why would my mother tolerate something like that mm -hmm. you know the, the things you do for love right you know and she's plus she was a she was a great person love my mother death love more than any any person on earth you know that was my heart and soul except for my daughter you know mm -hmm. um, uh, and my wife but um you know, other than that, it's like, you know, what do you do with right. a situation like that? You make the most of it. You know, she right. always encouraged me. So to get back to why it was that I chose this field is that I, I want to understand the psychology of human behavior, you know, why people did the things they do. Mm -hmm. That was one idea of why I had that. <clears throat> the second idea of why I want to go in the field of psychology is how do I apply that to business? Mm. Okay, where is that, what's that going to do in terms of allowing me to use a psychology in a way in which I can get the maximum value out of the workplace, you know, both from an right, economic right. standpoint and then also from a personal standpoint. And then, and then lastly, uh, and it's not necessarily in this order, how can I give people back the maximum value mm. of what I've learned from my experiences? Empowerment. Empowerment, exactly. Because as you get more mature and get more selfless, mm. you know, and you take your ego out of the equation, mm. And, you, and, and society kicks you in the butt enough times, <laughs> okay. you know, you realize it's not all about you. That's right. You know, and that I had to learn, yes. you know, from various ways. I mean, mm -hmm. everything from, uh, you know, uh, dealing with um, issues that I, you know, I don't wish to repeat in my life mm -hmm. uh, to uh, dealing with other issues such as, you know, trying to uh, navigate myself through this um, career. Mm -hmm. you know, and I still deal with issues with yeah. regard to that. Me so. Too. That said, psychology was the best place for me to be at the time, and I'm still evolving. That's great. That's interesting you said that, because when I was in school, I was always a quiet kid, an introvert, mm -hmm. and I was like a human sponge. You know, so I, want, I was interested in people and situations. So I went to school and I took sociology and philosophy myself, because I wanted to understand human behavioral patterns and why people think the way they do and why they act the way they do. You know, against what is right, 
and yes. what is wrong. Yes, and there's always know. and there's always that moral dilemma. Yeah. There's a, there's a moral dilemma that we all of us deal with on mm-hmm. a daily basis. There's an ethical dilemma that mm-hmm. we all deal with, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's a there's a spiritual dilemma mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. you know. And so all these things are constantly, you know, we're trying to balance, and mm-hmm. no one's perfect, and we're going to screw up in some of these areas. We're just not right. going to get it right. That's right, you know. But um, you know, that's the human that's human nature, and that's 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 why there's such a thing called human error, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but again, uh, it's one of those things where, for me personally, <clears throat> in my voyage, it was about experiencing as much of life as possible, man, mm-hmm. and just absorbing it. There was nothing in my early years that I felt that I couldn't do, mm. you know, even though I didn't have a lot of money, even though I didn't come from, uh, you know, parents that uh, uh, were, were very wealthy. They were very wise, though, mm-hmm. and they had lived enough to know what to teach me that would help me stay grounded to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but even even with my father, you know, having all the problems that he had, I mean, he always, he'd always tell me, listen, you know, you've got to conduct yourself in a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to present yourself in a certain way in order mm-hmm. to get respect. That's right. You know, because people aren't automatically going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and additionally, mm-hmm. you can't do anything without an education. Right. You know, and he used to constantly insult me and put me down. So I said, you know, as a kid, you're hearing all this <laughs> crap and you're saying to yourself, screw you. You know, you're a drug addict. You're a drug addict. I don't believe anything you have to say. You know, I mean, you know right. who, who are you telling me? You know, you're so successful. You know, why are you doing this and this and this and this? And this? But yeah. Then you also realize, you know, as you more, you know, mature, you say, wait a minute. The reason why he did that was because, you know, he wanted to make you a better person than he was. And, yeah. and you know, you get to that other place. Mm-hmm. You know, on the other hand, my mother. That comes in that do as I do, not a, do as I say, not as I thank do. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> comes back to that. Right. So, so, so that was one aspect of my, of my past, you know, dealing with my father and, you know, the fact that he and I were never really truly close because he couldn't open up because his drug addiction mm. was such that, um, you know, when you're doing heroin, man, it stuffs your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't allow you to express yourself. It mm-hmm. numbs you. Yes. It numbs you to the world. Yes. And you basically are operating in a capsule. Mm-hmm. And it's your own capsule. Mm-hmm. And you can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very difficult. I mean, you saw the struggles that, you know, Ray Charles had to oh, deal yeah. with, you know. Oh, yeah. Trying to get out of that capsule. Oh, yeah. Many of them. Exactly. Many. You know, many of Billy them. Billie Holiday. Thank you. And my, and my father, yeah. my father was a jazz musician. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, and this was the one in Los Angeles. I had two fathers. Okay. Oh. So that okay. was another issue I had to deal with. Mm, okay, so the plot thickens. And yeah, the plot, <laughs> now, now now we're starting to go a little bit deeper okay. with this thing. Okay, you know now we hit the surface. Now we're gonna take a little yes. bit deeper. So I had two yeah, fathers. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, the father here in Los Angeles, who I thought was my real father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was he was a struggling musician. Uh, he had an opportunity to play with Miles Davis one night, mm. and uh, it was interesting because my uncle was there. Uh, at the jazz session mm-hmm. when Miles Davis said, hey, you know, I heard about this guy, you know, and David Hennington, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, come on, come on up to the stage, jam with us, right? Yeah. Now, in life, you only get so many opportunities. Right. You know, and we, we all have our moment of truth. You have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we all have our moment of truth, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're either going to step up to the plate, take advantage of the situation, you know, and run with it, or... We're going to continue to let that fester in us mm. and, 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 and think about the time that could have been, you know. And so he didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Oh, he choked under pressure. Wow. And it was like, you know, he was like, no, 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 no. He came up with some lame excuse. <clears throat> and I think that, that was like one of, the, one of his defining moments where it was like that door was open, man. But, you know, you got to take advantage of it. you mm-hmm. got you to mm-hmm. take gives advantage us, of get, that. Life Absolutely. gives us choices every day. They're just dangling around like stars. Right. And it's like you reach up and miss them or you grab it. 
or you ignore it. And that's that's a lot of people's fallacies these days. That's, they don't take that leap of faith. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Whereas my biological father, mm -hmm. okay, uh, was a jazz musician as well, and he lived in New York. Okay. Now, I would go out to New York all the time, and he'd be playing at Sweet Basil, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Village Vanguard, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and uh, just different clubs at noontime. And he was more assertive, and he was, I mean... This was a guy that came from very little means, but he was also, you know, um, in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, his name was Claudio Maxwell. Okay. Okay, and so, uh, you know, he grew up in the uh, in, in the 50s and was playing with, a, you know, a lot of well-known guys, but he was still struggling. <clears throat> he had a number of singles with Capitol Records mm -hmm. and uh, did, did pretty well with them. And then I, I think he went to Warner Brothers and cut a single as well. I still have all of his, uh, his records. Mm -hmm. But um, what I learned from him was, he was like, listen, you know, every single day you got to get your hustle on. Right. Every single day you've got to come up. Every single day you've got to feel that you belong mm -hmm. and that you need to take care of yourself in order to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and he would just say to me, listen, you know, I know I drink and I know I smoke and I know I chase women, mm -hmm. you know. He said, but I'm happy. This is, this is who I am. But it's all taking me in that direction of where yes, I need to go. Yes. You know, because, because I'm shining in this little arena that I'm doing, and uh -huh. this, is, this, is what, this is what fuels the you know, engine in order for me to get up mm. and live with myself every mm. day to get out there and to make music. Mm. You know? And uh, he said, now, for you, it's going to be something different. It might be academics. Why didn't, you, why didn't the music button hit you? I, I wasn't talented in that area. Okay. You know, I'm Did a, you try? I'm a creative person. Okay. So, <laughs> so in terms of entertainment, I'm definitely a creative person. Yes. What I what I did was I said, well, you know what? I, yeah, I did try. You did. You know, I couldn't sing like Michael Jackson. <laughs> I couldn't dance like Michael Jackson. You know, I didn't look like Michael Jackson. You know, so okay. there was no there was nothing there to really work with. You know, and I was like, yeah, you know, at some point you realize, you know, your, your shortcomings. Right. Stay in so, your lane. Thank you. You know, stay in your lane <laughs> and, and do what you do best. Exactly. Right. So, right. So, um, you know, you come to reality check at some point. And I, I said, well, you know what? This is this is not for me. But I do want to explore. Other, other things um, later on in life. So that was my, my early years in terms of my relationship with my father. I had a great relationship with the, uh, the one on the East Coast, uh, you know, Claudio Maxwell, uh, to a certain extent. I didn't see him um, very, very much because, you know, again, we lived on two different coasts. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have, I have siblings and yeah. uh, three sisters. Okay. Exactly. You know, and so, um, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that's how kind of my, I guess, the thought of me getting involved with the entertainment industry, mm -hmm. that's what fueled the fire. All right. And so later on in life, I was able to, in the, I think it was like 90, yeah, 1990, uh, when I was going through graduate school, I said, you know, if Spike Lee's making all these movies, there's mm -hmm. no sense in me not being able to make these movies as well. You know, and I'm looking at all these other people that are making movies, because, you know, it was during the Black Renaissance yes. period of filmmaking, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so um, I was like, you know what, all I need to do is just, you know, come up with um, hundred thousand dollars or you know eighty thousand, something like that, right. and put together a crew and and you know pretty much that's that's my mentality. Yeah, it there's was nothing, easier back in the day. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. <laughs> but there, you know, my mentality is there's nothing I can't do. There's mm. nothing. I mean, you can call it brashness. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But that's my mind, my mindset. Okay. Um, once I set my mind on something, I follow through all the way to the end. Uh, and so that's something that came across it in, in the early 90s was that, you know, let's go ahead and make a film about my past. Mm. And it was called Fade In, Fade Out. And it was basically about a uh, mulatto uh, child that had aspirations of being a politician. Mm -hmm. And they followed him throughout the course of his lifetime. Mm -hmm. So there were different segments. There were the early years, the middle years, and the later years. And what happened is that um, we found out that, uh, you know, if you 
this person, this character, uh, was someone that uh, was unwilling to compromise. Mm -hmm. And in politics, you have to compromise. Uh, but he wanted to preserve his dignity. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as a result of doing that, uh, he paid the ultimate price, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which was uh, ostr being ostracized, alienated, yeah. you know, and so on and so forth. Blacklisted. Blacklisted, exactly. <laughs> and so there was a message there that, you know, at some point, when do we draw the line as human beings? When do we compromise? When do we... You know, lose ourselves in the process of trying to gain wealth, mm. or lose ourselves in the process of trying to, you know, hold onto a marriage that's not working, mm -hmm. or you know, hold onto a career that's not working, mm -hmm. or what have you. At what point do we preserve our integrity? Mm -hmm. You know, what point do we give it up? Right. So that's kind of what that that film was about. Nice. And uh, yeah, so but anyway, huh. I know I kind of digressed. No, it's fine. But wow, you you open up a whole can of worms but we, we're gonna dig a little deeper but I need to take a little break you're hanging out with me for a second absolutely alright ladies and gentlemen I'm here with Dr. Marshall Hennington and we'll be back on the Underground Experience right after this Here with me, your host, Captain and DJ, Uncle Earl, on the radio. How you doing? I am alive, energized, and thriving right now in studio with Dr. Marshall Hennington. We've been discussing his life and career, and we're going to jump back into the pool. 
Did you bring your swimming trunks? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Always do. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, you know, we left off. I want to get into some of the seriousness of your endeavors. You have been involved in some serious life-altering decision-making and uh, soul-searching. Um, like I mentioned before, you've been involved with the Philip Morris tobacco trial, the Thomas Tulin murder trial in Nantucket, uh, Marion Shug Knight trial. I mean, these are all heavy and huge people. How was this experience? How were they? How was this? You know, each case is different. Each mm -hmm. personality that's involved with the case is different. Mm -hmm. You know, some you micromanage. You know, some you micro macro manage. Mm -hmm. You know, others you just don't even try to manage mm -hmm. because that's not your role. That's right. not your responsibility. Your responsibility as a trial and jury consultant is to come on board and to craft litigation strategies that are going to help them win the case. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I always say is to the attorneys once I come on board is, how do you want to play the game? Mm. You want to play the game inside the boundaries or outside the boundaries? Because mm. you're saying you really want to win this case. There's two ways to play it. Yeah. Wow. That's deep because, you know, from being on the outside, you know, we think that people just hire a lawyer and you go to trial and what come what may. But there's, I mean, it's a serious staging that happens in these cases. I mean, it's not just fly by night. You really have to strategize and you really have to come up with key points and stay on a course you can't stray you can't go on a tangent Thank you've you really got to be focused no you're absolutely correct you're absolutely a thousand percent correct and I'll tell you why because you have lives at stake <laughs> right? you have people's lives at stake mm -hmm. on you both have, sides you have people's businesses at stake mm -hmm. you have people's families at stake on both sides on all sides mm -hmm. okay uh, and then on top of that you have people's good name and reputation at stake you know, we work all of our lives to create this wonderful reputation, and within five seconds, it can all be gone. That's right. And we see that time and time and time again, uh, where, you know, people that are most established, the most successful, do the dumbest shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just dumb shit. Mm -hmm. You know, excuse my language, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just mm -hmm. keeping it real. <laughs> okay, but they do some dumb shit, mm -hmm. you know, and you say to yourself, now, why in the world would that successful person that has everything at his fingertips or her fingertips do something like that? It's just asinine, right? Well... The reality is, is they're, they're human. Yeah, and it comes to the point we were discussing earlier, where you know we're taught all these life skills, things in you know careers and skills, but we're not taught about life and how to handle the tools we have. Everyone handles you stress know? differently. Mm -hmm. Okay, and sometimes the same. Mm -hmm. It really depends on what our makeup is, what our background is. You know, if you come from a, a background that's you know nothing but chaos and you know uh, nothing but confusion mm -hmm. and hurt and pain and everything under the sun, you know, you're going to handle stress a lot different than someone that comes from a family that has decent values, mm -hmm. teaches you right from wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, also tells you, you know, how to manage your life a lot better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, either one of those backgrounds can lead to you being successful, mm -hmm. but once things explode, how are you going to handle that success? Mm -hmm. And that's what I find time and time again is that I find fascinating is the fact that, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. Mm -hmm. uh, litigation is all around us. Mm -hmm. And people sue for the dumbest reasons. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, one person bumped up against this other individual <laughs> and decided to sue them. You was know, it I'm sexual saying? harassment? Well, no it, wasn't, no, it wasn't even that. It was like, it, it, was, it was more or less, uh, you know, some, some issues that were involved with um, 
uh, they had an axe to grind with that person. Uh-huh. You know, so they just trumped up these uh, allegations okay. and went with it. And the attorney was like, oh, phew, of course, because, you know, because of who they are, mm-hmm. you know, sure, let's go ahead and run with this. When the attorney was really looking out for themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to take a break. On that note, please do come back for the next half hour of Dr. Marshall Hennington and his amazing, amazing book and some incredible music and talented artists here on the Underground Experience with me, your host, Captain and DJ, Uncle Earl on the radio, 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 radio. myself, classify myself, but a person of color mm-hmm. that's in this industry mm-hmm. that has been around as long as I have. And I've dealt with, you know, cases that are really high profile, but then I've dealt with, you know, ordinary cases as well. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that the common thread is, are you going to win the thing or not? Mm-hmm. We don't care about how you did in the past with this case or that case. Every single case is different. You know, you're only as good as your, your last case, so to speak. Right. What they want to know is, what are you going to bring to the ball game to help us win this case so right. that my client now. can walk right now? Mm-hmm. So your value is measured on a case-by-case mm-hmm. basis, and the reputation that you had, mm-hmm. or that you think that you have, mm-hmm. okay, is null and void. Right. And so you have to humble yourself to know that, mm-hmm. um, because what you're doing is, yes, they're paying you to give them information, but they're also paying you at the same time 
to help the whole team come together and to build a certain type of um, uh, strength within the team frame, but more importantly, to help each player play the position and not go out of line with what they're supposed to do. And I mean from the witnesses, mm -hmm. okay, to the attorney's role, to how we're going to attack the other side's case, mm. to understand the strengths and weaknesses of their case, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of our case, understanding what themes are going to work, the opening arguments that we're going to use, how are we going to persuade the, the jurors? What type of jurors do we want? Do we want older jurors, younger jurors? Do wow. we want more women? Do we want more men? You know, do we want people that are less educated, more educated? Do we want people that are into the arts? Do we want people that are into the sciences? Well, do we, I mean, what do we That's want? That's fascinating. So it's like all these different elements come in, and they're all looking mm -hmm. at you as being the quarterback. You tell us what you want, Mr. Ph.D., mm -hmm. okay? Because that's what we're hiring you. Wow. And if you fuck this case up, okay, you won't be hired by us again, more I, likely. I hear and you. And that's the pressure that we face. But guess what? That's what you sign up for. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love to do is to rise to that challenge to push the envelope to make sure that we get the type of verdict that my client wants to anticipate that we're going to have. And mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what it's all about. It's all about the art of persuasion and closing deals, mm -hmm. just like it is in business. It's no different than business. Right. As is in the courtroom. Right. We've got to close the deal. Right. Now, let, let's tap on this, though. The Philip Morris case. I mean, when you're dealing with something that deep, it's, it's basically a situation of life and death. For who? For the consumer. Good point. <laughs> uh, I mean, how do you I'll just say that. that? I'll I just mean, say it this way, that, um, you know, these cases are... You actually, you win these types of cases, these high-profile cases, even before you get to trial. Really? Because there's cases in which I know for a fact that we're going to have to do some extensive pre-trial research mm. in, the, in the sense of conducting focus groups, mock trials, um, in terms of understanding, evaluating the case on different levels. And in terms of, when I say different levels, I mean specifically in terms of evaluating who the players are, mm -hmm. Okay and thoroughly researching their background so you can expose their vulnerabilities. Mm. It's, not a, it's not a nice profession. Mm. You know, it's like politics. It's a shark tank. It's like politics. You know how dirty politics <laughs> yes, gets? Yes, Imagine, imagine being <laughs> oh, unraveled, man. okay, disrobed in front of the whole world in the courtroom, okay? Well, that's what we do. We've seen it time that, and time again. That's what we do. Recently. Absolutely, that's what yeah. we do. That's why I always say, you know, you've got to protect your good name and your mm -hmm. good reputation because uh, at the end of the day, that's what you have, mm. you know. And so with those types of cases, they're paying you the money mm -hmm. to do what you do best, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and so, yeah. I want to ask you a question from your perspective. I've always believed that you're innocent until proven guilty, but that has not been the case. People have been no. guilty until proven innocent. Some people, <clears throat> keep going, keep going. A lot, honestly. In the, it's, say, for instance, just, I'm just throwing this out there, Michael Jackson. He was guilty when it came out. Before he even had a chance to say anything, he was guilty. And he spent the rest of his, what was left of his life, trying to prove his innocence. And I'm not saying we have to decide whether he was guilty or innocent right now. That's not the point. But I'm just saying if someone says something, the media and everyone just puts it out there and then they're guilty. True. People rush to judgment. Yes. Absolutely. But we do it in regular life, don't we? Isn't that what we do? 
I mean, essentially what we do is we based, we based uh, our opinions about people based on first impressions. Hmm. And a lot of times those first impressions are false. Right. right? But it's also, uh, it's also based on how an individual presents themselves in society. Mm-hmm. That we gather these first impressions. You know, right. do we like them? Do we not like them? Do we like what they're wearing? Do we like the way they're speaking? Do we like, you know, who they're hanging around with? Uh, what car are they driving? You know, uh, you know, you know, are they ignorant? And or is this they, right or wrong? Smart? Is this right or wrong? Well, what do you think, or Again, I mean, I don't. I'm not. I'm not the person that can judge if it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have that kind of power. Mm-hmm. You know, what's right for me might not be right for someone else. What's mm-hmm. wrong for me might not be wrong for someone else. Mm-hmm. I just know that you know, in my little lane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my little minuscule lane. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know I've got to live with the decision I make. Yes. Know? Yes. You know, so that's uh, yes. Because I just go back to biblical doctrine, and that was not the case back in the day. You know, you. You, you, they, they really, you, you were, you were free, and you had to stake your claim. If you were judged, I mean, if you, if something happened, you were not judged. You were put on trial, saying, "Okay, prove your case." But it wasn't like, "Okay, you're guilty." Right. You right. know, right off the bat, it's right. like, "Okay, state your well, claim." Well, well, let me just talk about yeah. that because that—that's what happens in the courtroom all the time. Mm-hmm. Jurors are, are basing everything on based on first impressions. So mm-hmm. you know that seventy percent of the jurors have already made up uh, their mind about your guilt or innocence by the time the opening statements are. Over. Really? Period. And guess what they do? They filter all that information, that other 30% of the information that they hear. Yeah. They decide on if, in fact, they should change their position or not. Oh. Okay? Meaning that if they think you're guilty, unless they can hear some overwhelming evidence between the opening statement and then the trial, you're yeah. still going to be guilty. <laughs> okay? Based off of that opening argument. And so that's why you never get a second chance to create a very good first impression. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's that's why it's so important to do this pretrial research because mm-hmm. if you get in the mindsets of people and know how they operate, how know how they function, mm-hmm. know what's important to them, know what their value system is, uh, know what's going to appeal to them. Okay, uh, it's just like advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, people are. Let me just make this point. If you know what's going to appeal to them, then obviously you have the advantage of the other side that doesn't. But I was just going right. to say it's just like advertising, and that is that. Advertisers spend millions and millions of dollars every single year to get you to come out the pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay, people, when you go down the street, you're being hit with thousands, thousands of messages from advertisers constantly trying to you sell you up. something. It's not even walking down the Thank street. Thank you. Okay? Moment you open your eyes. The moment you open up your eyes on billboards, <laughs> you know, to Seven Eleven has posters. I mean, all kinds of, you know, different TV, businesses, radio, TV, radio, yeah. the internet, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so. We're constantly being bombarded with all these different subliminal and, uh, you know, overt messages, um, you know, and, and so it is about persuading people mm-hmm. to do certain things, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you have to understand what people's agendas are for doing that, mm-hmm. you know, even even when people are trying to, you know, sell you things, yes. uh, you have to understand what their agenda is because yes. there's ulterior motives involved with certain things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. Well, on that note, we are going to be getting into why we're here. Okay. After the break, though, Wonderful. they're gonna have to come back. They gotta stick around for the goods. Okay, I'm stick not around. giving it all away. Stick all right, around. I don't know what he's doing. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Dr. Marshall Hannington, speaking about life, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We'll be right back right after this. Come on. See the messages they're trying to send, because most likely they poured the fuck that shit. We have but one life to live. Trying to make something out this life that I'm living Within a minute made using lemons I am giving Future's looking right so I got my shades on Working to increase the light when the day's gone All I do is smile and be me Project my own style and compiling CDs Easy is how I keep my mind state I grind things and help 
my mind straight like seeing busy docks with patience I wait preparing for opportunities in my fate the sky shapes the limits I'll surpass when I'm true to myself never ever gonna cash in I'll keep rapping cause it's my deep passion won't catch me napping till all my dreams happen it's real when I say have faith in yourself I'm a pace platinum place on my shelf. Long as I got the confidence with some confidence. Never on the fence. Stay confident. Stay confident. Yeah, you stay confident. Stay confident. Stay confident. In the confidence with some confidence. Never on the fence. Stay confident. Stay confident. things in life that we don't understand, but they are all necessary to cultivate the mind, body, soul, and spirit. We're going to jump into words of wisdom for my daughter, by Dr. Hennington. He decided to write this book for his daughter, Allegra, to give her the gift of wisdom, compassion, and perseverance. He recognizes that life is what we all make it to be. All of us have a purpose in our lives. We just have to find it and maximize it. It is through his wisdom gained from his life experiences that he is able to share his insight with the readers. And he appreciates the love and support that everybody's been giving him. And I appreciate the book that he's given me and I'm going to take it to heart and read I just want to just give you a few of the chapters that are in this book before we talk about it. Uh, in life, you have to make the right choices. There's have the confidence to trust your inner voice. How times have changed in your life. This is a good one. Stay away from negative people. You can relate that to toxic. <laughs> Pick and choose your friends wisely in quotes there is a time and a place for everything most people are afraid of success and failure and I'm going to stop there and let him come on in because we're all guilty of that at times isn't that right Dr. Hennig? absolutely yeah you know this is incredible I can't wait to jump into this myself because I'm sure I could use a little urban renewal in my life you know we, we all everybody thinks they have it together and we're all works in progress. We're all works in progress. And, you know, one of the mm-hmm. things about the, the, the whole concept of me writing this book, I'm going I'm to share with the, the listeners on a very real level of mm-hmm. why I wrote this book. Okay, so let's take it back. Let's mm-hmm. take it back about six years. Okay. Okay, so six years, right? Now, here I am. You know, I have a mansion, 
I have a nice car, Bentley, and, you know, boat in the marina, and, mm. you know, living that life. And, Riley. You know, exactly. <laughs> so you, you work your butt off mm-hmm. all your life to obtain these you know, financial rewards. Yes. So all the sacrifice and the hard work and the determination, all the years, 32 years of going to school and getting the master's and getting the bachelor's and the master's, two master's and a PhD and da-da-da. I'm entitled, right? And I feel like, a boom, I've arrived, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got it all figured out and, you know, it's all going on and it's crack lacking and everything's right. happening, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, you know what? I might as well go ahead and just, you know, live that life, okay, right? right? But deep down inside, I wasn't happy. Mm. I wasn't happy. And you were living for the city. I was living for the city, <laughs> and I was living to pay bills. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of bills that I had to pay, right? So now on the outside, you know, I look like I have it going on, mm-hmm. right? And society, you know, mm-hmm. people in society give me props, and everyone's like, oh, you know, you know, it looks so great, you know, mm-hmm. Daniel, I love that car. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. You've got your Porsches, you got your Bentleys, you got your Mercedes, and all this, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you start attracting the wrong attention, and lo and behold, after all the stress of trying to manage all that, plus the practice. You know, plus, you know, trying to manage everything else in my life, something had to give. Mm. And it came in the form of a massive heart attack. Okay. And it happened just like it was yesterday, April the 22nd, 2006. Mm. All right. I was uh, packing up to leave work, and all of a sudden, boom, I couldn't breathe. Mm. And I started sweating profusely. And it got to the point where. I thought I was literally dying right there and there on the floor of my office. Mm. And I literally had to crawl to the elevator, okay? I didn't know how I was going to make it. I had to take little baby puffs because no air was coming in and push the elevator in order for me to go down the elevator. Now, it was at nighttime, so no one was there to help me, all right? Mm. And I said, they're gonna, someone's going to come in here, either janitor around 3 o'clock in the morning and discover a body right here on the floor. Mm. Right, unless you decide if you're going to call 911 mm-hmm. or if you're going to try to make it over to Cedar Sinai yourself, and that was the hospital that's located in this area. Mm-hmm. So um, I made it over to the hospital myself uh, by, by, by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you weren't alone. Actually. Thank you, thank you, by the grace. Mm-hmm. You see who I'm thinking. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, uh, God helped me. He gave me the, the, the internal strength of fortitude to crawl to my car that was located on the first floor. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in the car and I went over to Cedars. I got out of my car at Cedars. Cedars was earlier about, um, about, I'd say about 10 blocks away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got there. As soon as I opened up the door, I crawled to the entrance of the emergency room and fell out and just blacked out. Wow. And they revived me. Next thing I know is that I'm right here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, uh, having an operation done to me. Uh, I wake up and uh, find these stints being put in me. Mm. And uh, from that moment on, I thank God, and I said, you know what? All this has got to change because you, for a long time, your ego has gotten you in trouble. Mm. And that's the message for every single person listening here, okay? Our ego fucks things up for us. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it really does. And every single one of you guys can relate to what I'm talking about. Ego gets in the way of success, mm. and the ego doesn't allow you to be the best person you can be. And I'm not getting self-righteous, but mm. I would tell you from a man that's made mistakes that for a long time, that's what happened to me. And, uh, and I needed to learn from that experience. You know, I could have avoided all that stress by, you know, downsizing, mm. you know, by eating right, mm-hmm. by exercising more, by mm-hmm. doing all these things I should have been doing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. Mm. So I said, if I were to die the very next day, what would my daughter know about me? And at the time, my daughter was eight years old. 
She would know nothing about mm-hmm. me. She all that know. money, the cars, Thank you. All the, the house cars wouldn't. Thank you. Wouldn't mean a damn thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because you can't take any of that stuff with us anyway. That's right. Okay. So I said, the only thing that she would know about me is that, you know, I'm dumb. I'm dead. You know, and that and that's and that's pretty much it. And what mm-hmm. other people tell her about me. Mm-hmm. So, guess what? I'm sure I'm not alone. There has to be other people out there, that that's daughters, are wondering what you know what their life is about. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't I go ahead and write a book to my daughter in the hopes that other people can read it to their their daughters as well mm-hmm. so that there's some life lessons and some principles in place to help them navigate through this crazy world of ours mm-hmm. and what I've learned based on my experience I can share with my daughter and hopefully you know other people can share with their children as well yeah. and that's why that, that that's what the whole inspiration was it wasn't based yeah. just off of a heart attack it was based on the fact that we don't know what tomorrow might bring I mean mm-hmm. look what you know look what happened to Whitney Oh, you know, I mean, that's man. just a terrible, you know, terrible tragedy, you know? Yeah, and she's our age. You know Absolutely, I mean? and she's because, our age. Yeah, you know, the thing about that I love about it, even though it's written for your daughter, it can work in any relationship. It's unilateral. I mean, it's, it, it can work mother, mother, son, mother, daughter, father, daughter, father. I mean, friend. Yes. There, there are principles yes. in there that can work in any form of life and situation you're absolutely correct because what i speak about is i speak from from place of um living life to the fullest Mm -hmm. and seeing you know where all the different uh you know the the different uh landmines are located so to speak um uh you know i've overcome adversity you know the blind spots thank you okay the quicksand the blind spots everything you know exactly so you know and i've and i've I've gone through enough at this point i'm you know my voyage is still not done Mm. but i can share with you know the readers um things that i find to be uh something that can be you know enhanced in your life that can give you more of a sense of purpose and also you know, add greater value to your life. And what I share with my daughter in this book is mm-hmm. these are the things that you're going to want to do in life in order to help your life, you know, um, become better. And if you don't take my advice, you can't say you weren't warned, mm-hmm. okay? But at the same time, you know, um, this is advice for parents as well. I talk about relationships, you know. I talk about, uh, you know, being, you know, a role model. I talk about, you know, um, loving people. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about embracing people, you know, they're different than yourselves. You know, I talk about things such as, um, you know, how it is that, what, you know, what you've been taught in school versus what the reality is mm-hmm. of life. You yes. know, one of the things they don't teach you in school is they don't teach you how to make money. Okay. <laughs> they don't, they also don't teach you, they also don't teach you, you know, about discrimination. They also don't teach you about, you know, the casting couch in Hollywood, oh. you know, oh. and they also don't teach you about, you know, things such as, you know, um, you know, when you're going through the adolescent stage, uh, you know, what a girl should do and how she should present herself mm. and also the stimuli that young boys get from based off of your appearance. If you dress uh, like a such and such and such, they're yes. going to treat you like a such and such. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and how as a woman, young lady, you have to command and demand respect from men because mm. from young men because they're not going to give it to you. Same thing happens in the workforce. You know, I told my daughter, mm-hmm. listen, when you leave this house, okay, I want you to bring bring back my name just like you left it. Okay. With an intact when okay. you come back. I understand okay? that. And so those are just some of the things. But the same thing holds true with um, adult relationships. You know, we, we as adults understand that we have a certain obligation to our children. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people out there are trying to find answers of, okay, well, you know, especially single parents. You know, what do I say to my son or what do I say to my daughter 
you know, when they're dealing with these types of issues. Well, in my book, the truth. Right, thank you. And, <laughs> and in my book, I give you the truth of what you should say, you know, and this is not only because of, you know, my, my background as a clinical psychologist, but mm -hmm. also, you know, based on I know what works. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, You get results. And you get results, absolutely. Great. Now, I want to tap into one chapter in particular that caught, caught me. Don't get in your own way when trying to achieve greatness. Thank you. Because we all do that. Because we all do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's almost like it's like trying to close a business deal, right? Yeah. And you're saying your ego is telling you, but mention this, mention this, mention this. Mm -hmm. But guess what? You're already winning. All you can do is fuck right. it up. Right. All you can do is literally <laughs> you know, just, just put your foot in your mouth and see the paper go right. away. You just talk yourself right out of it. You just talk yourself right out of it, right? <laughs> you right? You just keep on talking and talking and talking and talking. Now the person's looking at you where they have respect for you in the beginning. Now they're looking at you like a moron. You know? So it's like, it's like you, know, you say to yourself, damn, why did I shut my mouth, right? Right. Well, yeah, same thing happens with, with, with everything, you know, all, all things can be applied to that, you know, and you can relate that to business, you can relate that to relationships, you know, that girl you thought that, you know, that was so hot on you and everything was going well until, you know, you second guess yourself and you just kept on talking. Right. You know, you talk your, you talk your way right out of that relationship and she was like, you know what, you're a moron, I don't even want to mess with you no more. So that's kind of, yeah, that, that's what I meant by, you know, getting in the way of your own success. When you have momentum, you have to trust your gut instinct, you know, you need to, um, you, you need to know when is enough, mm. you know, and when not to allow your ego mm -hmm. to lead you in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, humility is a very great virtue. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I found from my past experience is that, you know, when you're not humble, it doesn't allow you to be at your best. Mm -hmm. You know, an ego will always lead you in the wrong direction. Right. And I'm just now finding out. Here I am, 48 years old, man. I'm telling you, within this last year and a half, it's been like a metamorphosis since I, I completed this book because it I took me you. emotionally a lot to deliver the information I put into that book. Mm -hmm. Now, that book was a work in progress for five years. Mm -hmm. I stopped it. You know, I said, wait a minute, I got more to add. I started <laughs> again, yeah. you know, and then, you know, it just went on and on and on because I kept on feeling like I, I need to put more and more information yeah. in there. Let me ask you this. When did you know when you had the right concoction, when it was time to just shut it down and get it, get the message out there? Because, you know, we can always say, oh, I can improve this, I can fix this, I need to rework this. But when did you know you really That's a great question. had the right... I think I, I knew it when I told myself, you gave it your best, and it's all out there, and you, you're not hiding anything. In my book, you know, Words of Wisdom for My Daughter, Life Lessons, mm -hmm. I speak about the truth. I speak about what's really going on in society and how you need to make sure that you protect yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and that you, um, uh, you know, come from a place of truth, mm -hmm. but not, you know, obviously truth is relative, right. but just come from a place of internal truth, mm -hmm. you know. Not someone so else's that, truth. So that you Your don't truth. fool yourself into yeah. believing that you are something that you're not, mm -hmm. you know, or believing that a situation is something that it isn't. Mm. You know, and so <laughs> <laughs> not learned that from life lessons. <laughs> wow. So. Well, you, let me tell you, you know, I really, really thank you because I feel enlightened by your presence and your words and empowered myself because there's you can never get enough knowledge. And I feel like I've just opened up another little gold mine treasure chest. And thank you in myself. I feel like I now there's some things I need to do and I, I'm going to go on this journey I'm going to read your book yeah and, and, and I just uh, want to say this for the, yeah. for the listeners out there you know you can pick up my book, book which is uh, Words of Wisdom for mm. My Daughter Life Lessons 
uh, on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it on Smashwords. Uh, you can get it on Lulu.com and various other mm-hmm. uh, websites. It's uh, Marshall Hennington, Dr. Marshall Hennington. But uh, I want to give a special thanks to Tracy Williams. Oh, yeah, okay? Tracy the man. Because Tracy was instrumental in really getting this message out there. And yes. I just want to thank him because, uh, you know, he is a, a great person. He's a, a great producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you were to uh, take a look at him, uh, you know, on the uh, Internet, you'd find some great things. And he's all about pushing people, and, you know, out there mm-hmm. in the forefront. And, uh, and so, yeah. Because I tell you, I get, I get a lot of people reaching out to me, and I have to sift through the madness, if you understand what I mean. Absolutely. And I search for the truth. And, you know, when I got his email, you know, I don't know if he remembers this, but he said, I said so who are you? And what are you? I mean, it was kind of like, I was like, so what are, what are you asking me? You know, I, I'm very to the point. Yes. I don't fluff. I don't, you know, like, I was like, what are you doing? What, what, do you, what, is, what is my role in this what what are we going to do because i'm not just going to promote people just oh can you buy my cd or this? what what you bring in with it thank you that's all aftermath but what what's the foundation so he you know presented the gate and i was like by all means he opened up the flood channel and i'm like yeah let's bring it so yeah, i thank you great. tracy and thank you dr Hennington. well you know i thank you also on girl because this is a great opportunity to you know share my book you know words of wisdom for my daughter life lessons but um i, I want to just thank the the listeners as well mm-hmm. you know pick up a copy of my book mm-hmm. you know um because I, I think you'll find some valuable information in there in terms of helping you to organize your life to manage it better in terms of your relationship with your daughters mm-hmm. as fathers and also as uh wives or as well as moms mm-hmm. okay because it's all about making sure that you even know, you with can, your pet. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> it's all about making sure that we protect our kids and give them some good information that that can help them in terms of uh, being productive citizens. Yes. All right. Out of the mouth of Dr. Hennington, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a literary moment with a man, Dr. Marshall Hennington. Stay tuned. There'll be more. I hope it keeps you strong. In a world on the tape It's your little keepsake It's just a secret little thought That money has not bought When you're feeling destroyed By, by bosses and boys Well please stay strong